You ever wondered who brings you this show? Well, today, according to Forbes, companies are working to fill millions of jobs in an epic hiring spree. Where do they turn? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates and makes it easy to invite your top choices to apply. Try it free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. Also... Today's show is sponsored by Stamps.com. Stop wasting your time at the post office. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter our code BADCHRISTIAN for a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. That's Stamps.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Ethan, I saw your TikTok, and I was like, oh, man, it, it like... I, it, it's so crazy when I scroll through TikTok, because I promise you, it's like... Uh, you know, it'll be somebody like Matt Cutshaw, like somebody just doing a funny skit. And then the next one is a lady who can actually clap with her butt cheeks like that. And then and then it'll be, you know, some music thing I follow or something. And then all of a sudden, Ethan pops up. And I'm like, oh, Ethan. And it's like, I'm, I'm like, ah! it just gets me. And I get, I'm like, oh, my God, the, the the TikTok you have. Because you even start, if you don't care, maybe I'll play it here in a minute or something like that. Just just because I, I thought it was so genuine that i mean it was just so genuine and that's what i i mean everybody now knows i'm a tiktok addict i hate it i can't stop it i think it's i think it's better than any tv network any entertainment <laughs> anything the, the fact that you can swipe through and see some, all those different things and then like somebody like ethan can just take a moment and i think you were sitting in your car and just say something so profound that to your life was just crazy are y'all yeah. addicted as me y'all watching it as much I, as me well let me clarify first. I'm pretty sure the um, the butt cheek clapping is also Ethan's account. Yeah, I think so too. I didn't. <laughs> so you know, it's about balance. I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, I, I, I was. I had cheeks. the same uh, reaction as Toby. Toby sent it to me and said, "You got to check this out." And when I watched the video, I just felt like um, I think it's it was really powerful, but also just the layers of the, you've known somebody or seen them online or been attached to them in different ways from, you know, the Facebook group, the BC club and stuff. And it's this real person. And you just, it gives you like the fact that you know, the person that has created the content and through a couple of different filters or whatever, it makes it hit even more powerful. And that's the, these, these algorithms and stuff like you're finding content that's so tuned to you that it's almost part of the like you're almost part of the stories or something or the moments because you actually could know somebody like Ethan through all this and then when then it even hits harder you know when he shares something because it's like yeah you can see that reflected back in my story or, or in, in some crazy way so I just felt like that was really good too so let's play that TikTok um and then we'll just we'll yeah. hang out and talk but tell me what do we have but, for the top of the show some stuff before we get oh going? yeah yeah well, first off, uh, as always, I want to talk about uh, old marriage supply. Um, we have an awesome. I'm. It's called Nod, Naughty Nights. Naughty. Y'all say naughty, naughty. How do you say the word N A U G H T? Naughty. 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 Naughty nights. Naughty yeah. nights. Um, box, and it's kind of like a Halloween box. I got everything in there is orange or purple. And uh, it's a real good mix of toys for adults, and you can go to marriagesupply.com. And there's a, uh, I think it, what is the, there's a coupon code that I should probably know, right? If you go, you'll see it. Uh, if you go to the website, you'll see what the, there's a 15% off, I think, everything. And it might be naughty or nights or something like that. It sounds like I should, <laughs> uh, as a business owner, you would think I would know. Maybe I'll find it later and I'll tell you. Um, but... It is a great box, and there's very limited 
amount. So you should order now because I think talking about it on this podcast usually makes people rush over there and get some stuff. So, um, yeah, it was really good. Is it on yeah. the homepage? Yeah, it should be on the homepage. Um, um, you are a dirty liar. I don't see it. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, Let me see. No, I do naughty, see the box though. Naughty Night's Halloween box. Yeah, but I don't see the um discount the code. Oh, I might. We might only sent that. This in the box looks awesome though. I can't even lie. I know it's really good. Um, I wanted to do something. Actually, uh, Katie's been helping me with marriage supply, and she had the idea. Did we want to do anything for um for Halloween? I was like, that actually sounds really fun. So, um, the okay. Here is the the code. Is this is just terrible podcasting? I really apro- apologize. <laughs> uh, treats. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and spook- we made it. <laughs> it's a spooky sale. Fifteen percent off on the uh, maybe everything. I think. I think you, treats will work for anything. But it's the Naughty Nights box. It's really good. Go to marriagesupply.com. now. Also. Uh, Something that I've been wanting to do more because uh, when I have sex with my wife, I'm not feeling as good about my body. I want to start getting back in shape a little bit, and we got a new health challenge coming. We've been doing what we did uh, the 69X challenge mm-hmm. uh, f- four times. Four times. Man. This is the fifth go round of the challenge. It started just with us in Emory doing it, um, just to make change and try to see if we could break comfort zones and do stuff. And we did it. That worked. And the next time we just did it with the podcast people. We just talked about it in the pod. Say anybody wants to do what yeah. worked for us, do that. And then the next time we opened it up and had people join officially, and that's when we called it the sixty nine X challenge at that by yep. that point because it was 69 days long and then uh it was bc69 then 69x and then google decided you have too much it's too too close to it's porn essentially yeah. it's, a, it's a website 69. about 69ing and we stuff. kept running so, into issues about promoting it yes yeah, so so. <laughs> so, so so at this point everything is consolidating super well as you'll notice the trend and we will now be doing the, the number five of the knuckle breaker challenge is the, what we'll be calling it this time um maybe that one will stick but uh, this will be the fifth time going through it. And the unique thing about this one, um, I'll save all the other details for in the future or next week we'll talk about it. But this costs $50. And if you complete it, you get your money back. So all you got to do is just don't quit. And you can yeah. have your money back on that. Um, so the details of that we'll, we'll figure out. But it's basically the people, and it's not that you have to do every, you know, you have to, that means you have to stay connected to a group and turn in your score every week for what, you know, you track your results, and try. participate, and yeah. try, and then finish. It doesn't mean you have to get, a, a, you know, do it perfectly or anything like that. So it's not like a bet, like Toby and I once. We're not going to get um, you on the scale, weigh you. Right, or right. Like we, well, <laughs> Toby and I once in Amarillo, Texas, tried to eat a 72 ounce steak because they told us if we could eat the whole thing it would be free and neither of us made it to the goal so we still had to pay for the steak right so this is different that you just you give it your best shot and you still get the steak for free but you got to put up the money because it's part of the uh, motivation part of your team yeah and we don't want people quitting so um that's the way that's going to work we'll give more details about that soon but that's just an update and that's all the business we've got for today so now we can jump back in talk to i'll say one more thing about that 72 ounce steak at at the end of it you not only had to eat the 72 ounce steak you had to eat a uh shrimp cocktail that opened like in a tinfoil plastic cut like a tinfoil top you had to eat that you had to eat a baked potato a baked potato and a roll 
and, and a side ice salad. cream. Oh, and an ice cream and yeah. a salad. Yeah, and You'd a side eat salad. all of that, right? And 72 ounces of the toughest steak you've ever had in your life. I, I mean, mean, they tough called shoe it leather. steak, but I, I, it it's was a rump roast. It's a yeah, giant yeah. rump roast. It's a rump. It just sounds like unfair. It was and terrible. when we got, we couldn't do it. I ate all of it, but like twelve ounces. I ate everything but twelve ounces, and Matt, Matt ate everything good. but about thirty or twenty something. We got really close. We ate like we forty-eight and fifty-two ounces at least, so we were way up in there. But you know, but the worst part about it was when we were done. I was like, because I swallowed as big of pieces as I could. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I was trying to hurry, and I was like, this is going to be a living nightmare if it comes out the back end. So I went into that oh, steakhouse yeah. bathroom and made myself throw up, and I was just throwing up <laughs> huge chunks oh, of steak. Oh, my God. Just like, and it was hitting the toilet like, I bet the person beside me thought it was the most horrific diarrhea ever, because it was going like, boop, boop, boop. I was like a war zone in there. I know. I was like, oh my God, what happened to him? But I, but I, I was like, I, I know I'll be in trouble. It, my my body would, it would just, I've just been so constipated or something horrible. So anyway. Well, then you could have finished the rest. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought. They wouldn't. I don't. <laughs> I think they let you get up and go to the bathroom once because I think people try that. Or maybe you can't get up once you I sit down. You can't get up. up or something. Yeah, I don't think there are a lot. Man. There's some kind of rules to it, but all kinds of people do it. I mean, it doesn't matter how tall, how big, how small, whatever. I see people, there's people who have done two or three of them. I mean, yeah, I can't this believe crazy. It. That, do you know what made me most angry about that night, though, was that we went there and our bus driver that was driving the whole tour came out with everybody. And then uh, he, at the end of the night, he picked up the bill for, for everybody, everybody else. That just went and watched. That just went and watched. So oh, wow. We and Toby got really screwed on that because we were getting a free dinner either way. Yeah, we had to pay $72 for each. Shit. <laughs> It was weird. Our bus driver paid the whole bill. He was really nice. My, you know what's crazy? My wife swears she can, no matter what she get out, we, we always talk about going and eating, doing like a wing contest. She swears she can eat more than me, no problem, and all that stuff. And I, I mean, maybe she can. I don't, I don't, I mean, I've eaten a lot in one setting before, but I'm more like eat a pretty good bit. And then about an hour later, I could probably eat a good bit again. And then an hour after that. But one sitting is really hard. You know what I mean? But I'm, I can be hungry so, all so, day. So you're into edging, right? Is that what that is? <laughs> What's edging edging? I get right. Wings. I get right to it with a but yeah with <laughs> with a medium buffalo wing, Got medium it. hot buffalo wing, and then I wait for a little bit. Yeah, right. there you go. That's how I like to roll. Anyway, fair enough. Y'all never did any food challenges, Ethan. You never ate a shitload of food before. Oh, we're back to food. Okay, um, <laughs> I went, I went somewhere else with edging. <laughs> yeah. I am a gay man, okay? Like, like no I mean, brain. fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Well, um, uh, let's play. Uh, let's play your video then. All right. So Ethan's uh, TikTok is Ethan M. Thomas. Hey, friends. This may seem uncharacteristic um, of me from my usual happy-go-lucky state. But I was on a walk today and uh, listening to some music, and there was a line in a song about. A flower finding its way through the concrete to the light and you know me and imagery and creativity and I got all wrapped up in it and I got very angry um, at the thought of my life and the thought of decades of trusted individuals loved ones the people that were supposed to raise and care for me the church that I was supposed to be fostered in and how they 
looked at a small boy and they thought, we are going to crush who he is and replace him with something worse. And then they thought of a young man when I came out and they said, let's take this tender young man and let's ensnare and manipulate him and just destroy him. And concentrated, continued, coordinated efforts by these people over decades to destroy me fucking failed, right? Like, I beat it. I survived it. I lived. I'm thriving. I've escaped. And to to all those people, to that line of thinking, I can just... It's reprehensible. It's disgusting. And I just want to know how you can look at that, look at your actions and and think that you can pin the hero badge on yourself. You're disgusting, reprehensible people. Um, You should be ashamed of yourselves. And and I'm not in your power anymore and I'm thriving and I'm living and I'm happy and I know that that just gets under your skin. So I hope you have to live with that for the rest of your lives. Damn. Wow, that's what I'm saying. That just hits so hard. I just, I mean... That minute or so just, I mean, got to see just what you lived through. I mean, that's just so intense. And then just a second ago, and this is where I wanted to start, or just was going to ask you, just a second ago, you were smiling and easily said, I'm a gay man. And that probably wasn't so easy, right? Like, I mean, that, that. You didn't always just so freely, especially being recorded on video, say you're a gay man, (laughs) did you? I mean, even that now, like, you said that joyfully, not, like, hidden or anything. I was just, even just now, it just feels like you are, I I mean, I don't know where to start, honestly, because it feels so emotional, but, like, you, I mean, this, it seems like you really have come from all this, like, or grown from it, or, like, like you said, that flower coming up, growing up no matter what, even with the concrete over it, feels like that is an image of you. Yeah, like, so I look in the mirror now, and I... Um, I like myself. I'm happy with who I am. I like, I like exactly who I am. Um, but when I was growing up, um, from my earliest memories of like three and four, I knew that I wasn't the same as the other boys around me. And then like, as I grew older, I was able to like identify what that was. Um, so there was a, uh, probably 15 year period where, um, sobbing myself to sleep, praying, to be changed, you know, for, you know, for God to make me normal was like the norm, like, you know, sobbing myself to sleep in the hours of the night. Like that was, that was almost every night for, you know, a solid 15 years. So like, yeah, being able now, to, what ages is that? Like what help, help me understand. I'm interested. Uh, so in, the first know. time I became aware of the fact that like, you know, homosexuality was a thing. It was a kid on the bus explaining it to me uh, on the way to school. And I was, I, I would have to guess I was maybe eight or nine at that point, but I still didn't quite get it. Um, but I became sexually active as a 13 year old um, with the literal boy next door. Um, and uh, the cognitive dissonance of being raised in conservative evangelical Christianity and knowing like, all of this is terrible. I can't be doing this, but doing it and having it resonate so deeply within some part of me that I didn't understand was just, it was insane. Um, so it was from the time of that, like, you know, I engaged in my first sexual acts at the age of 13, all the way up until like, you know, my mid twenties where it was just kind of like, 
you know, it was a rough ride. <laughs> Can you tell me more about from eight to 13? Like what, you know, so you became aware of what it was and you had already felt different before that. Yeah. So I grew up, um, so I'm the second of nine kids and, uh, we, Good. we grew up in a, <laughs> we uh, grew up in a church community that that was very common. You know, there was a lot of families that had six, seven, eight, nine, you know, some even up to 13, 14, 15 kids. Uh, so our parents were trying desperately to raise us to, as like, you know, that they could choose our friends. Our friends would be the other kids in, in the church group that we were growing up in. So there's a whole lot of us that, you know, our parents were all friends and they all had boys, you know, and within like a couple years of each other. So they would get us together four or five times a week, you know, like, you know, my, we were the odd ones out because like, you know, we went to public school and everybody else was homeschooled, but like my mom would drive us all over. Um, we lived in a very rural uh, area in Northern New York. So like she would be driving us to other people's houses, like three, four or five times a week to spend time with this group of other boys and everybody else would go to that house too. So there was like, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 little boys all within a, you know, a year or two of me because they were trying to make us be friends, right? You know, so that that went on most of that uh, that period. You know, the you know the you know four or five up to like 10, 11, 12, That was that was happening. They were trying to like force you know that the relationship into that. Obviously, it didn't work. Um, I was just so different than all those other little boys. You know, like they would all come to the farm and we would go. Um, you know, it was you know rural northern New York. You know, we would go out with BB guns and you know shoot at chipmunks and chickadees and stuff. And I with my little tender heart would be like scampering through the woods in advance being like, fly chickadees, fly away. <laughs> you know, so, but I like, they, then, you know, it would get me in trouble and, you know, they'd be like, why, like, why do you do like, why? And it's like, I, I don't know. Like, it just like, it just seemed mean. Like I'd rather go play with my sister's Barbies, but like you only say that out loud once before that response. So, you know, I had to, um, I had to make up these things, you know, like, you know, they'd ask me this, like, why? Like, ah, you know, so like, you just, you would say whatever you thought would get you in the least amount of trouble. Um, you know, just trying to, to balance back and forth between things that you didn't understand that were going on and what you knew they wanted you to be right. Like, and, and I knew like what, what, what my parents desperately wanted was for me to be like my older brother and fit in with all these boys. Right. But that, that just wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you said your, your parents were very Christian. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and, and so were, were the rest of your family, like your brothers and sisters and everybody too? Yeah. So the, uh, you know, you'd go to church on Sunday. Um, you'd go to any special events that were going on throughout the week. There was Wednesday night services. And then like, you know, you had like your children's club, you know, we had a program with, um, it was kind of like a, a customized version of like, you know, Cub Scouts or something like that. Oh, where you'd, yeah. like, you'd have like your yeah. clubhouse thing. You'd go to that. Um, when you got older, you went to youth group, you know, and our church was 45 minutes away from where we, we lived. So like we would pile in our big 15 passenger family vehicle and drive 45 minutes several times a week. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where church wasn't like an hour on Sunday morning. Like we got to church at like eight or eight 30 in the morning. And we got home at like two or three in the afternoon. Right. You know, like church was a yeah. huge half a day. At Everything. Yeah. 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 
And this was uh, uh, early 90s? Yeah. Yeah. God bless the 90s. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy because, like, the, the 90s don't seem that far f- to me, but the, it really is, you know. I mean, they were talking – close to 30 years ago. I mean, if you go all the way back to 91, 30 years, it's really crazy. But the same time, you know, I was growing up in Greenville, Greer, South Carolina, at a very conservative church and was being told also how bad being gay was. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like, I wasn't gay, but I was being told how bad it was and almost to the point of being scared of it or the danger there. You know, it was always – only perversion and God hated gays almost the most of anything. You know what I mean? It was, it was mm-hmm. it, like in retrospect, when I think back on it, there's so much hate towards gays that I bet there was a lot of people. I mean, it seems to me a lot of them probably were gay and they were just, they were just trying to speak out against it. To, to, like you said, don't go, don't say anything that would get you in trouble. So if you go the real far and just say you hate gay or gay is evil or bad, then, then it, you know, nothing can come back towards you or anything like that. And, and I mean, right. it ended up happening even with like, um, even in my own family, my uncle, he was gay, married my aunt and, uh, you know, a few years into it and it just kind of destroyed his life because he'd probably been so hidden his whole life. And he was like, Oh, I'll, I'll just get married. Cause that's that, that maybe that'll stop it. Or, you know, it, it sounds like even your story was it like when you said you would cry yourself to sleep, was it really like you, you were just, I mean, anything, God, like any, did you, it seems like you were trying anything or thinking anything to, cause you really thought this at that time, you probably thought it was something really evil. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, speaking about it was the nineties. I, I think we should reiterate too. Like there's been a cultural shift like I, that I got to live through, which just blew my mind. But like the nineties was not like now, right? Like society right. did not look at their gay brothers and sisters and cousins and neighbors and be like, Oh, you know, like, you know, no, it was, yeah, right. it was no. bad. Like, it was so bad. Like not Very even just now. in the Christian church, but like regular society, like, yeah. you know, gay was, gay was really bad. Right. Like, yeah, gay was like the nineties was the time where Matthew Shepard, right. You know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. Like, Gay was bad in the nineties, super yeah. bad. So, um, yeah, it was one of those things where I didn't have a concept of suicide, you know, being able to end your life, but I definitely had a concept of just wishing I didn't exist. Right. Like, cause that would have just been so much better than living my life every day. Right. Like it was, uh, it was rough. And you couldn't come out to anybody either. Right. Like, I mean, no family. Oh my goodness. Or yeah. Anything, right? <sighs> no, my parents found out, when I was 14 after about a year of, uh, you know, the boy next door. And we had a huge, like, it was just a huge confrontation where it was, you know, you have to renounce the demon of homosexuality. This is an exorcism, you know, like, sorry. it was just, I was not prepared to deal with that as a 14 year old. I don't think they were prepared to deal with it as parents of 14 year olds, but like they, they were, you know, like it was, it was the late nineties. They were, they were just gut, you know, reaction and, you know, all I knew was like, I just got to say whatever I need to say to make this stop happening. Right. And so I, like, yeah. you know, um, yeah. So, so especially after that, like, you know, we, we had that one night where like we, we admitted it was an issue. We talked about it and then like we prayed the prayer though. So it's all fixed, right? Like this is not right. a problem yeah. anymore. And it was 10 times harder after that than it was mm-hmm. before, because like now I knew my parents knew my deepest, darkest secret. But we lived this, you know, like 
you know, middle-class white family version of like, <laughs> we are just going to ignore it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Push it, push it down. And, um, oh, and then man. I had to, from that point on, like nothing, like nothing that I said or did or my mannerisms or anything could give away the fact that maybe that exorcism wasn't 100% successful, you know? So like, yeah. so it just became so much more difficult, you know, living after that point. Did you, uh, I mean, did they ever check in even like, did you have to lie and go, yeah, I'm not gay. Um, or oh, no, I mean, did, no. you, you just didn't talk about it at all. Ever talked about it again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, um, like did, were you able to confide in any of your siblings at that time or was, were they still very much like, no. yeah. Um, so this like, it's so, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, growing up in a family of like a lot of kids is kind of like being on survivor, you know, like, which is also kind of like being in like a youth group as a kid, like you're in an evangelical <laughs> Christian church, right. You know, like they raise you to narc, right. Like, you know, if you see something going on mm-hmm. with other kids in youth group, like you, you got to tell the youth pastor yeah. or something, right. You know, like, and that's exactly how it was in our family too. So like you had alliances with other brothers and sisters that you liked better than others, but like, you, like no way like no way was i going to tell any of them anything even remotely real um because oh, i didn't know if i could trust them right you know like that's breaking my heart because it's like i mean that just the fact that a family and i know that's a normal family not the worst family in the world or anything like that but just that the family systems exhibit all the same stuff as north korea at some level like the you know the way just the way uh, uh, things work in 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 with groups and trying to maintain with the sc- the tools and resources right. they have. I, I hear that as the parents, you know, having so much anxiety that it, that set the tone of the whole household that it's just like, you know, that whatever that, that's hard. That just all feels so, you know, tough and sad that it's that, that it's that way that it just kind of works that way. You know what I mean? Like it's a system to, the way that I see it. That's like the tone of it was already set and that's the culture, you know, that, that you guys grew up in that you've, oh like, yeah kind of low trust or something like it's mm-hmm. like yeah. that that's what i'm feeling and it was mirrored in every other family in the church right like yeah. everybody was right. doing the same thing because they you know, because they're in a, they're in more cells in the similar system where if they find out then they look they won't like they they must feel they that they would yeah well i mean even they don't want to be the family with like the problem children or whatever i mean i feel like that comes into play too the social dynamic yeah but and and they feel that if that's true then you know that they wouldn't be able to deal with it and then so it's like you have to just push through or whatever is how they felt too same way you felt you had to just push through like you have to accept this like you know i'm sure it was really hard for them also, oh, say, yeah. like I- image stuff too, right? Like all the families wanted to be the most Christian. Like if oh, if, your, yeah. if your family has the gay guys, like a huge failure in right. the community, isn't it? Oh yeah, that community. Like we were already on thin ice because my parents chose oh, to send us to public school, right? Like instead oh, of homeschooling gosh. us, right? So yeah, like yeah. <laughs> we were already suspect, <laughs> but. That's just so um, hard to keep to, to maintain all that as a parent. Like, think of all the pressures. It's just that make. I mean, I'm not. I'm just. I empathize with everybody in the situation. It's just when I think of like trying to keep all that together from their point of view, it sounds so hard. So, like imagery wise, Madeline Langle wrote um, *A Wrinkle in Time*, and she has this like awesome part in the book where they're like, 
on the planet where that's supposed to like, you know, the, the devil character is supposed to be in charge on this planet. And all the kids in this neighborhood are where like they're wearing the same stuff. They're in front of houses that all look exactly the same. And they're bouncing a ball at like recreation time in perfect unison. Right. And it like, when I look back on being raised in the church, the way I was like, we that's, that was us, right. You know, like we had, all bought into this idea and um you know and we had all been beaten into submission so that like you know when we were out in public we were in that you know perfect unison every like all the kids bouncing them all together everybody was like you know smiling and happy nothing was wrong but in reality we were all broken people right you know like in yeah. uh you know the creativity the authenticity had all been just destroyed like from the adults to the kids to everybody yeah. you know like yeah. and yeah, it was it was a mess, right? And obviously, then you know, like when you when you ask the question, why don't um, why doesn't this generation of millennials look like the Christians that we wanted them to raise? Well, I mean, like none of us were authentic, right? Like you know, right. you were trying to yeah. cut corners to get the result you wanted, and you know, and you beat us into this corner, and, and of course, like none of it was real, none of it was true, none of it was right, you know. So we grew up and have dysfunction, and we're not the Christians we thought we were. Here we are. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's so it's so tough because like mine, like and Mary Beth, you've talked about this before too, like with your mom and dad and their relationship uh, a little bit. My mom and dad's relationship was just horrific. I mean, it was awful. They were screaming and yelling, uh, r- r- horrible with money, lying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all kinds of things. <laughs> and we just had to kind of hide it too like that all stayed in our house and it didn't go Mm -hmm. out and you you know you didn't talk about those things so you couldn't so like you said ethan everybody probably had some real shit going on in those in their own houses but they all hit it probably too and it tries to create this community that all looks the same it is the same but it isn't authentic at all it's not really there to help you no absolutely not yeah no it was was actually there to hurt us you know like yeah and crush your unique. It came down to helping Ethan or keeping the system looking good. Well, right. I mean, like that—that that wasn't even a question, right? No. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is exactly not going back for the one sheep. This law, yeah. the shepherd goes back for yeah. the one sheep. That is what the church will not do. That is too much. It costs too much. It, uh, you know, emotionally, financially, spiritually, it costs too much for them to go. We'll go with Ethan. We'll go get him, and we'll 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 be there for him, and we'll we'll, we'll figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just yeah, say that prayer, and let's don't ever talk about this again. Right. Golly. So, I mean, you said all those years. At some point, you came out again, right? Like, yeah. Did your, you think your parents didn't know at all that they had to know and just didn't talk? Oh, I'm about sure. Anything? Yeah, we and we we've, we've had so many conversations since then, but. We, we can never really just go back and have a frank, open, honest conversation that like, you know, about the beginning all the way up through, right? So I really don't know what they knew at what point or, you know, what their thoughts were at all. Um, I, uh, I went to a Christian college. Um, I was outed at that college. It was really bad. Um, my parents were involved, um, you know. It was just, it was, you, it was you, a mess, right? You were outed not by your own choice, you mean? Yeah, no, no, not by my choice. Um, oh, my God. Some friends that I thought, you know, they, they weren't really friends, obviously, right? But, and I thought at the time they were well-meaning, but now I don't think they were well-meaning at all, right? Like, um, yeah. outed me, um, you know, like got my parents' phone number out of my phone because, you know, it was like 2000, 
five or something and like right. you know there was no locks on no phones lock, you could just flip yeah. a phone open and get a number right you're like um you know yeah so like i was you know my parents like called and they were like we've talked to your friends we know what's going on like i also used to journal a lot extensively and like um friends knew that i had been journaling in all these books so that i you know, kept in my canvas messenger bag from american eagle because it was 2005 <laughs> <laughs> um so they, they read all those and they like made copies and sent some to my parents and it was it was actually it was oh several God. different groups of friends actually i don't i don't know if they were working That's in unison so but like it almost felt like that i i never i never got the full scope of what was going on but some girl one group of friends got my journals to my parents and and to the Dean and then another group of friends, um, wow. you know, got you know got me in contact with like the RD and they called my parents and it was like it was it was a god awful mess. But it, like, that you is know. so god, terrible. What betrayal? God, that is so yeah. Terrible. And, and at the time, like I, when when I was confronted, I was just like, okay, yeah, because like obviously I was the one in the wrong, right? You know, like. Right. I was gay, and that did, was so terrible, did, right? So, so like, th- those people all in their minds, and I'm un- I'm not even judging this, but f- in their minds, they all thought and would say to each other they were doing the right thing because they cared oh, about you. Yeah. They would say yeah. that, and they thought that. Like, they felt that feeling of goodness that they were doing that, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. God, yeah, for sure. dang it, that yeah. makes me frustrated. That's so hard to think about. <laughs> Yeah, like they went home that night and they they were like, you know, I, I I just imagined them being in a circle in their dorms and being like, we are such good friends, Dan. You know, like, oh, God. oh my gosh. All right, folks, do you sell stuff online? Then you know that shipping can be a real pain. I ship stuff every single day. So does Devin. And it can be a pain. Which carrier should I use? Am I getting the best rate? Will, will it get there on time? Well, let me tell you about Stamps.com. It takes all the hassle and guesswork out of shipping out your orders. Easily compare shipping rates and delivery dates. You get all the best carriers, all the best rates, all in one convenient place. No more hunting for rates on multiple carrier websites. No more paying retail prices for shipping. Stamps.com gives you access to a wide range of discounted shipping options. Up to 40% off U.S. Postal Service rates and... Up to 66% off US UPS rates. Oh, God. For over 20 years, 20 years, Stamps.com has helped over a million businesses save time and money on shipping. With Stamps.com's tracking tools and automated delivery notification emails, you can avoid those dreaded, where's my package? I got, I've gotten those before. I like avoiding those a lot. Uh, those calls and emails, especially as uh, we're gearing up for the holidays. So, Start shipping and saving with Stamps.com today. There's a, no risk, and with our promo code BADCHRISTIAN, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital shipping scale and no long-term commitments or contracts. You'll be up and running in minutes. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Bad Christian. That's Stamps.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Stamps.com, easy e-commerce shipping for less. A lot less. And so that's the people you're talking to in the post that that they like because you're you're being even really clever in the way that you say it in that way that you're set you're saying to them you tried to crush me is that that's the same people and you're trying to I explain think they're to them. cons like you know like they like um and and 
like thankfully as an adult, I've been able to get in contact with some of them um, and realize like, you know, most of them are not anywhere in the same mindset that they were back then. Right. You know, which is awesome to hear and like, you know, good for you. you like you grew and that's awesome. Right. You know, um, but they were like, they were really just doing what the system had trained and taught them to do. Like the, uh, the anger, the real anger for me is that the people who should have known better or had the responsibility to care for me in a time when I couldn't and stop and think like, are we doing the best we can for this kid? You know, um, my parents, the pastors, you know, like so, so many pastors over the years, right? Like so many pastors, so many church leaders, you know, program leaders, things like that. Um, you know, like Christian officials, you know, like these are the people that, you know, like you took on a mantle of leadership and then you chose your mantle and your, your leadership and your position and your institution over the, you know, dying boy that was in front of you, right? You know, because like at the time, I was, I was so unhealthy, right? Like mentally unhealthy, physically unhealthy. It was just like, I was a wreck. I, I'm still not quite sure how I'm alive. Right. But like, I am, you know, like, um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I have known other, other gay guys who have committed suicide. Um, and I'm not sure what the difference is between me and them, but like, there, there were many times throughout my, my story where I felt like that was the only option for me, right? Like, I just, I looked forward to a future and I was like, I never thought I'd reach 30 because like, why would I, right? Like, like what, what was there for me to grow up into, right? So, um, you know, in the oh, midst man, of crushing. the darkest that- years of my life, these are the people that, you know, looked at me, looked at where I was, saw what state I was in, and then instead chose now nah, let's let's fuck this kid right like <laughs> right that is the most crushing thought is that if you deny somebody the ability to even have a dream of what they could become then how could they what could they want to live for if there's not a path you know you go but i you know i'm in this situation all my values are these and there's zero outcomes that could that i could even see as good like that's the that's what right. they made you see yeah. They made you see that there yeah. no, wasn't there. You couldn't have a vision for your life or a dream or a goal because there was no viable ones. So, what effects do you think that has on a person? <laughs> Make sure that I mean, know, you know that's. I that's just really turned thirty-seven, tough. and my thirties are still just a whirlwind. Like I'm trying to figure out a life because, like, I never thought I'd be here. Right? You know? Did you th- ever think of <laughs> right. as you could leave it though? Like, because you knew there were out gay men that had lives, but you did you? How come you? Did you did you actively make the calculation if you could just leave Chris, both your Christianity? You you would think I could go have some life and be a gay man, but I would have to lose my family and Christianity. I mean, there was like a part of that in the back of my head, but it was never a real option because I believed yeah. hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, that's the um, in part. Christianity. You know, so in the, in the back of my mind. I like I was pretty Future sure I was believer, gonna go to hell yeah. anyway, even if I tried my best, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, because like, you know, I was what I was, you know, but like definitely if I walked away from it, well yeah, I mean like I was gonna burn an eternal conscious torment yeah. for the rest of my life, right? You know, so like that just that wasn't an option, you know. Mary Beth, in the in, growing up in Tennessee, were you taught the same thing? Like, did you think homosexuality evil and would have even said that to gay people <laughs> you know what i mean like i would i would have that 
me growing up in, my, in the South, I really thought gay, I was told, is really, really evil. And you stay away from those people or they have to be converted. That's that's what I, where yeah. the, the teachings that I was taught. I have a I have a weird or I guess a different experience just because for one, I was raised in the church, but my not necessarily by my parents. Like they were Christian, but they didn't really go to church. So I started going on my own accord when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm with like my friends. And I do remember, I also didn't really like understand my own sexuality till I was in my twenties. So I wasn't internally struggling at that time because I just, it's almost like I didn't even think it was an option. So I did, my brain didn't even go there. Like Mm. it was very shut off. And I feel like I was a late bloomer anyways. I didn't really like experience like sexual attraction till I was older anyways. And so, but what about like uh, gay people? You Were you being taught that gay was wrong? Yeah. So I do remember like, I think it was middle school or early high school. Um, I know that it wasn't spoke about in our youth groups, like, so I guess explicitly or like, so in such a blunt way, mm-hmm. it was kind of tiptoed around and it was like kind of grouped into other things. And I think that was so they could avoid just talking about it in general. Uh, they didn't want to like yeah. even bring the subject up, but they had to sprinkle it in there anyways. Right. And I do remember coming home from a church camp. It was over the summer. And I, I do think that our youth pastor at the time did bring it up at this at this camp for some reason. And I will never forget my best friend, Whitney. We are still best friends. And now she is very gay, which is very funny once you hear the story. But um, my youth pastor sat down with her and made her feel bad that she had. We had a a friend named Brandon at the time who was who was openly gay and made her feel like it was her duty to sit Brandon down and tell him that his lifestyle was wrong. And if he didn't basically do what she asked, then she couldn't be in his life. And I could see like the conflict in her because she's like, I love this. Like, this is one of my best friends. I love him so much, but yet like my leadership and my church that I've been a part of since I was a kid and my like adult support system is telling me this is wrong. And this is what I need to do. Leaning on her to do it. Yeah. And it doesn't feel right, but I feel like if I don't do it, I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to be a bad Christian or I'm not going to fit, you know, I'm going to be treated differently at church or whatever. And I remember she did end up like talking to Brandon basically, and they weren't friends for a while. And then after we, luckily, I think we were in like early high school. And by the time we were like close to graduating, she and I both had kind of like stopped going to church a little bit and kind of realized <laughs> what was happening. Yeah. And so we we were able to reconcile with Brandon, but still that's probably the like most defining memory I have yeah. growing up. Cause it, it was like that like it was so personal. That was the thing. Yeah. It wasn't like um our pastor would like just stand up and mm-hmm. preach about it super openly just as a blanket topic. Yeah. 
it made they made it so personal like about this one person it's not like a theology thing like here is a theological doctrine that we adhere to in our canon from the ancient times it's right you need to talk to brandon for me right now go ahead this is your one duty as a christian is to bring other people into christianity so i know that you have a gay person in your life and it is your job to call them in and to save them, basically. That's, yeah, that's how terrible. it was. Yeah, that's how it was taught to us. And mm. I I never could wrap my head around why it was wrong. I couldn't figure it out other than that's just what our pastors would say. Otherwise, it, it I mean, it made no sense because it doesn't. It still doesn't. But it's, anyways. It's, a, it's a <laughs> leaning into the, into the really gross side of an attribute that is it, you, it's hard to talk bad about this because people will, will get upset. But if you really consider it, the attribute that people call loyalty is one that is like half of that at least turn, is used for really bad ways. Like the loyalty right, to. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, the, from the mafia and abusers and, you know, like just the mm-hmm. loyalty, like when you feel your loyalty being leaned on, that's, right. a, you know, that's just, that's what, what, and it's to control other people's behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's some bad ingredients, but it yeah. seems, yeah. So, you know, it's just, that's bad and stuff. What Ethan said too about like kind of already feeling like you were going to go to hell no matter how hard you tried. Mm. I feel like that was also how we felt before we could even understand what hell really was or meant. Mm -hmm. We just thought like, and I remember being like how many, like they say that if you just pray this prayer once that you're saved. But I remember every time I go to church, I would, I would pray it again just in case. Cause I didn't, I wasn't sure Mm. or because I had done something unchristian that week and i was like did this like but that's not everybody at church it's like that's that's people that's like who is most taken advantage of by these types of things is Mm -hmm. people like ethan or you or you know me people are true believers i am believing it though I'm, like right. there's so many people in these systems that aren't they're just gaming it or riding or, it or playing or it or rooting social it stuff yeah. but right. I, but there's a certain amount of us that are i is in a way i think is a vulnerability there's certain of us that are just we really believe stuff mm-hmm. like and so we get you know that gets us into trouble and people can yeah. take advantage of that and it, and they do it in this way that's like that really sucks i remember i used to feel like whenever i was like probably first in college and i hadn't fully like deconstructed or anything I didn't really even know what that was but I remember thinking both I really miss how how easy it was for me to just blindly believe everything that was being told to me it felt easier at the time and it was it felt less confusing like looking back but then of course like I was also looking forward like but is that do I really want to be like blissfully ignorant Mm-hmm. Or do I want to be more conscious, even if that actually ends up being a little bit more painful in the transition period, you know? Mm-hmm. It's wild because you can also, this is when, like, just me processing my own church experience, because my church experience also involves my grandfather being my pastor until I was 17 years old. You know, he yeah. was the pastor of our church, and that's, you know, and I everything that he said was from a pulpit, and all, he was also my grandfather. And so all those things, like you said, it it, it did, he didn't require loyalty. 
I wanted to freely give it because a, a person uh, so, that meant so much to me was right. saying these things. So I, I will trust that. And and so now in my reflections on church, it when I think back on it, like you just said, your friend Whitney, who is a good person and would not want to do that and Mm-mm. cause Brandon to feel possibly shame or rejection or oh, yeah. betrayal or mistrust, all the thoughts he could have thought. And it, I, it makes me understand more like when I think about a persuasive, charismatic speaker speaking from a stage, talking about who's good and who's not. I mean, Hitler did that. And he convinced yeah. those people, all those people, you know, a lot of Germans probably weren't, they were good people, but there was this person in authority or, you know, or took the authority and said this, this, and this, and you start believing. I mean, I, I grew up believing I was going to burn forever and that gay people yeah. were horrible perverts. Well, and, and they you tell know, you that the right thing to do isn't easy and doesn't feel good sometimes. They tell you like, well, it's the right thing to do. It yeah. might be painful now, but this is going to pay off in heaven. And so you're like, okay, this really hurts and feels bad, but I guess this is how it's supposed to feel. Like, right. that's what everyone's telling me. It's supposed to it's supposed to hurt, but I'm doing the right thing for my, you know, for them or kind right. of like Ethan was saying too, like at that time they probably really felt like I'm doing my Christian duty for yes. my, my good friend, Ethan, but really like, obviously definitely not. <laughs> yeah. And any negative uh, reaction to you doing that just, you know, made you all the more convinced right. that you've done the right thing because, you know, like, yeah, like they're going to get mad at you. That's the devil. Yes. Pushing back, right. Like the world is going to hate you. Absolutely. You know, like, like if they devil. get mad at you or if you feel like, you know, like then they, yeah, I, I really did my job. Of course he's mad. Right. Mm-hmm. Satan is really trying. You know, like, <laughs> yes. Right. The devil always tests the best Christians. Right. Right. It and sounds so, like all yeah. three of y'all to me um, are just, um, you know, it's it's a warming quality. That's why I like the three of you. But you you are trusting people. You give your trust to people. Oh, you yeah. trust them when they say that. You I know, was your so grandpa naive at that time. or them or your you know you trust those yeah. people. I was so naive at that time. I it did not even cross my mind that they could be wrong, right? Or that they could be manipulating me or anything. It literally was not even something I thought was possible until I was like not in church anymore. And then finally I was like, Oh shit. Like (laughs) all of this is textbook manipulation. And I didn't even know what that meant when I was growing up. Like I really was all in and I just, I didn't even question it. And that was like terrifying to realize. Like it was like all of those years were, it's like, it feels like brainwashing to be honest. But you're just so, but you're all here now. We're all here. Now, though, and that's actually that's actually pretty crazy. Yeah, I think so too. But how did how did that happen? Because if you're a trusting, naive, true believer that every bad thing happened to, how did you get here? Because you know that's what's so uh, you know hopeful about Ethan's. It's not just pure. It's it's like how did you make it? Like how did you do it? I think the definition of a miracle for me is is things like that. Like the fact, like what Ethan was saying that. How, what was it that made you like persevere rather than end up like some of the people, you know, who did end up committing suicide? What was like, you were so close to those people, almost the same, but yet you're still here. Like, what was it? And that's. So there was a couple things there, actually. Um, 
so the, at the beginning it was that mortal dread fear of hell right like burning forever which i knew like suicide would definitely land me there um but the the the, the strongest factor that um saw me through the darkest times is uh right smack dab in my early 20s when it was the worst of all this was happening you know um i was in college all like all this college being outed was happening around this event my um my friend chris who was part of that group of boys that we all grew up together in the church um chris committed suicide um you know he was uh he was battling depression um and uh and uh he lost you know, committed committed suicide is the the old archaic way. You know, that I think about to say like he he succumbed, right? You know, he lost his battle, right? You know, um, like he he didn't know what he was, doing, right? You know, um, but Chris lost his life to suicide, and uh, I watched, um, and and great aggrieved myself, right. right? In the middle of that, um, the entire church community that I had grown up, with, I watched that devastate everybody right like families like ripped apart you know people just upended you know it the effect that had on the greater community was just incalculable right was that i'm sorry and, i don't um, understand why that w- was if you don't mind uh, because they some thought it that damned him or didn't or something yeah so like so losing him right i mean he was a he was a fantastic person right you know like his friendship was like the warm hug that you need at the end of the yeah. day. Right. You know, like, and he was that to so many people. Right. And like, you know, be like the, the church that had raised him, watched him grow up. And right? He was and still like, very tight so in that like community. The grief of right. loss. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was right in that community. So the grief of loss coupled with the, um, the being raised to believe that he is now most assuredly burning in hell for what he's right, done. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and then the church tried to backpedal so hard. Like nobody knows. And that was those last moments, what happened with him and the Lord. Like, we don't know, but like we've been raised for two decades oh to know that this right. is what had happened. Right. You know, so like, so like all of that going on, just this like incalculable grief and loss and like, and trying to reconcile the fact that this wonderful person that you've known your whole life was according to your own theology now being tortured endlessly forever. Right. You know, like, it was just like the pain and suffering that that brought on everybody was just too much for me to bear. Right? You know, so like the thought of doing that and having that happen again to my family, to my brothers and sisters, to like everybody, like that that wasn't even an option after that point, right? It was just like it's like I like I know that like my my existence is terrible. I don't want it to happen, but like I can never do that to my you know to my brothers, my sisters, my parents, and like you know the people I love. Like absolutely not. Like that I could never do that. So that was through the darkest of the times. That was the strongest thing that got me yeah. through, which is awful. But also like I'm I'm like you know without it, I'm not sure what would have happened. Yeah, that's so. true. That's fair. That wow. still just shows like you just love your you love your family that much too. Like right. you'd be willing to live in kind of a hell. You were to, such a great person the, that you so were you, too God, concerned about everyone so else. I mean, rather than actually like saving yourself and being happy, you were just too concerned about the people you love in your community. It is so funny to hear you say that because in the middle of all that too, 
the, the continuous picture that was painted over and over was that I was mm-hmm. selfish. Mm-hmm. I was awful, you know, like, and, um, and I was destroying, like I was doing this to my fans, right. You know, like I never uh, thought of myself as a good or loving person or like selfless in any uh, way, because I have always been painted as the black, yeah. you know, it's so, like throughout of all of that, it was like, it was a level of control. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so like, you know, yeah. Um, and that like, to this day, my relationships, well, there's, there's not much relationship anymore with my family, but the, the relationships that still do exist to this day are painted by that, you know, history of like, you can't trust Ethan. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I was going to ask you those two questions. How is your relationship with your parents and your siblings now? And do you feel like, have you at least been able to some of the time recognize that those lies that you were told about yourself aren't true anymore? Because they aren't true. Um, I'll do the second one first because it's easier. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> uh, that is what the last, you know, like I'm, I'm 37, you know, so like in, in my mid to late 20s, I was like, you know what? I'm gay. I'm out. Fucking deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so, so I've been out for, you know, a little over a decade now. Um, and that's what that time like has been about, like figuring out who I really am. Like, um, like my time with the BC club and like friendships I forged there and like having, um, not having, but like hearing people describe me as like a kind, loving, trustworthy person are still things that I'm like, huh, cool. Right? You know, like, that is so you know, funny. Uh, <laughs> but like, but, but I like, I, I know that I am right. But I still, it's just so mm-hmm. hard because like I was brainwashed yeah. to think that I wasn't right. Oh. But, um, but like, so that's, that's what the journey has been about the last decade or so. And uh, well, so where the TikTok even came from too, is like getting to this point in the last couple of years where like, I've done a lot of growing and a lot of healing and you know, yada, yada, yada. And then realizing like, I am still so broken inside. Right. So I sought out, actual therapy right you know like who, who, who thought right like so like working through this stuff with an actual therapist is like you know like things are things are so much yeah. better right and they're gonna get better right you know um so yeah so that's so that's current and then the first part of the question my relationship with my family we are um we are pretty estranged right now does that include um, your siblings out of yeah, so there's uh there's the nine of us, um, and I uh, through most of my twenties and early thirties, I kind of put my entire life on hold. Once again, thinking I need to make up for being who I was and what I've done to my family. Yes. Right? So like I spent years um, trying to be the brother or the son that was always there when you needed. Right, like um, so we we have a family farm, um, so like. You know, my my mom needs help picking corn. I live an hour away, but guess what? I'm gonna get up and drive over and do it, right? Like, um, my grandfather was ailing, and he used to be the one that mowed all the lawns, right? There's like multiple houses on the farm, and there's multiple properties on the farm that need mowing, right? Like, well, guess what? Like, I became the guy that mowed every single goddamn mm-hmm. one, right? You know, <laughs> my parents' lawn, my sister's lawn, my grandparents' lawn, the sugar shanty, the farm, the orchard, you know, the raspberry field, the we have like a beach property on the, on the water, like all that. Sh- I, I did all that, you know, like, Oh, you like, you guys need help. You need a babysitter to my, my nieces and nephews. Like 
for years, I was just like, if I'm always the one that says yes, it shows up and just bends over backwards trying to show my family, I love you guys, right? You know, like, like maybe I'll be a first class member of the family. And it just it never was. Um, and so realizing, getting to realize my own self-worth and realizing that I, this is never going to change, right? And in that whole time, never dating anybody. Because that for sure would have shattered whatever fragile, oh, yeah. you know, detente we had, right? You know, so like I put my entire life on hold, just trying to like maybe be that for them, right? Um, and uh, and that all like that was a, a huge part of what happened um, in this last this last year, actually. You know, like um, you know, we know we know like from like 2016 and stuff, like the, the nation's been divided and things happened. But something about the pandemic and like the the insurrection, like. Like we, like everybody's aware, like families yeah, broke, right. like something just broke. Right. You know, it's so like that happened to my family, right? Like my parents that I used to look at and think like you are above all other things, at least you are not a hypocrite. Right. Like, you know, I would watch my father and just be like, you know, like the man believes what he believes. Right. And so, and so it was easy to think that he had done what he'd done to me because he loved yeah. me because I had no reason to, to think otherwise. And now I'm watching this man that raised me and raised that abandoned all principles, that right? Like every principle that he taught me to believe, like Christians don't sue Christians, this, that, like love, joy, peace, patience, you know, like all of those things are abandoned to hear him stop at a gospel of love and grace and to hear him talk about openly suing left, right, and center so that his church can get his way and open a new, a new uh, campus in, in, a, wow. in a building that they bought, knowing that it wouldn't be allowed. Right. You know, like, it's just like, well, who are you, right? Like, who is this man? Like, what happened, right? You know, like just, and watching him and the rest of the family just crumble, right? Like, like principle and, you know, like, you know, everything that was supposed to be, you know, like, like I just said, those, those fruits of the spirit, like we're supposed to be like, you know, like the Christians are supposed to be, I say that because I'm not a Christian anymore, but like the Christians are supposed to be the people that you can look at and, and, you know, and define them by love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, tenderness, self-control, right? Like watching my family devolve into this mess that was none of those things, right? And then and instead was the exact opposite, right? It was just kind of like, I don't know who you people are anymore, yeah. right? You know, and uh, and trying to maintain a relationship. I, I moved away from the area. So like I would, I would go home. Every time I came home, it was worse, right? You know, so like, um, just worse and worse to the point where I, uh, it's been, it's what, it's October now, right? Yes. So it was, um, Memorial day weekend was the last time I saw my family. I went up, I was intending to stay the whole extended weekend. And, um, in the middle of like hearing my father go off against these homosexual ball, you know, I was just like, I'm done. Right. I'm done. Right. So I left. He did that in front of you. And, um, Oh, never has my dad ever tried to um pull any punches ever right like you know he he would talk about us to other brothers and sisters when we were in the room and use us as examples right like you know so you talk to my brother and be like ethan is a homosexual blah 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 ethan thinks this like ethan Ethan, because at at one time i was a progressive christian ethan believes in you know unitarianism you know like it's just like like, yeah like he would never pull any punches, right? So it didn't matter that I was in the room, right? You know, and uh, and it just it pushed the scale to, and I was just like, no, like what, like what, what the fuck am I yeah, doing right. here, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I've like I have tried so hard for so long with these people, 
um, but I don't even recognize them anymore, right? And they certainly, they say that they love me, but they don't, I don't, I don't think they know what love is, yeah. right? You know, yeah. like, I think so many of them are still trapped in that at least not religious mindset that they were probably raised. conditional. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, no, no, you know, like, I was like, I'm, I'm done with this, you know? And so I walked away, drove back, uh, drove back home and, um, and I haven't really seen my family since. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know that's that- gotta be hard, even though I feel like you should be proud of yourself for putting yourself in your self-worth first. I know obviously that still doesn't feel good. It's easier because like we, we, there is some interaction, right? Like I, um, I still send gifts to my nieces and nephews on birthdays and things like that. And so I'll get like texts from, uh, you know, siblings or my, or, or a parent occasionally, you know? Um, and it's easier because what they trained us to do growing up, just narc, right? Like we still do like, <laughs> like, like the, the network of nine, right? Like it still happens. And so out of the nine kids, like, like the boundaries have been redrawn. So there's three of us that are wow. out, right? And then the other six. And you that use are that in. language in the um, family, the out and the in. Like it's so. I mean, the the, the cult. I, I don't really know. I imagine that they probably would, but I again, that would be me putting words in their mouth. But we, like we, the three, we definitely, yeah, like we know we're out. But it's right? such a cult, like like um, the, you know the way you talk about when you got out, and why you know the dynamics all fit to you know and that kind of thing. So. Yeah. So the, like those relationships are still in play, right? So like I just got back from a trip to Florida to see my sister, my one sister. She's out because she, heaven forbid, thinks that she's like an equal person to her husband. <laughs> so like gone. No, <laughs> that's just too much. And then, uh, <laughs> my other my other brother that joined me, um, he uh, he's out because he has mental health problems. You know, so it's not mm. um, it's not the fact that he you know that his brain is broken it's the fact that he's possessed by demons so or yeah. that i don't know he has a life full of trauma probably yeah <laughs> no, yeah, yeah let's right. just ignore that part yeah um so like we like we the three of us you know kind of consider ourselves our own little branch right so like we, we all just had this trip down in florida and compare notes right and like oh, man. it's made much easier to to be distant from my family when i get a text from one sibling um, gushing about like, oh, this like, you know, and then I hear what's really being said about me by that same sibling, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. you know. All right. There are some things in life that I like to pick out myself, you know, my underwear, <laughs> my socks. My wife buys these underwear that I could, I don't know why she buys them. I don't know why she would do that to me. Uh, but I like to pick out my steak, my mattresses, I'm particular, my pillows. Oh my God. So, what if you could do the same thing with hiring? Choose your ideal ca- a candidate before they even apply. That's where ZipRecruiter's invite to Im- apply comes in. It gives you, as the hiring manager, the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. So, let me tell you how invite to apply works. Well, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, Zip They send you the most qualified people for your job. Then you can easily review the candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. Lauren Webb, the SVP of Talent Acquisition for Mandula Health, raves about ZipRecruiter's invite to apply. She says, I love the feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate. If I invite candidates, it's easy for me and it's easy for them. My wife works at a hospital and trust me. 
ZipRecruiter can come in handy. In fact, according to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply, invite to apply, uh, on average, get two and a half times more candidates, which helps make for a faster hiring process. So see for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-T-I-A-N. I can't, can I spell bad Christian? B-A-D-C-R-I-M-A-B-I-M-A-B-A-D-I-M-A-B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N. <laughs> I think I did that right. Bad Christian. And you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, Bad Christian. ZipRecruiter.com slash Bad Christian. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. It's so crazy because you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, uh, Mary Beth, I think you were saying this that like you got you got to do the hard thing. It's like your friend Whitney had to do the hard thing, and then it's going to pay off. And, and you were saying that too, Ethan. About you do the hard thing, and then there'll be a payoff of heaven or whatever it might be. But the like they don't want to do the hard thing. They or they they can't see what the hard thing is. They they think we'll be str- tough against our son because we stand against evil or sin or whatever. But you're right. Like they're doing. All the things they didn't teach you, or, or supposedly we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're trying to teach you to love, to you know, forgive, forget yourself, because the the whole being gay, it the the only issue they have is just them. It's not you. You're not mm-hmm. you're not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's there's nothing. It's just in their minds. <laughs> they go. They they just decided uh, uh, that you are something that they have to stand against, but only because it's some god that told them to love everybody. But and they don't, like, uh, you know what I mean? That, that, yeah. that, I don't understand that. <laughs> they think they're being brave and strong. But in my opinion, I won't speak for anyone else. It's the most cowardly thing you can do because you're not actually like confronting or discussing the issue at hand, or you're not even confronting like your loved one. You're just blindly saying, this is the rule I'm supposed to follow and I'm following it, but we're not going to discuss it and I'm not going to level with you. Yeah. And it, that's a way to, I feel like they just escape all of the actual consequences, like, because they just ignore yes. the consequences. Yeah. They just pretend like, yeah, there's a pretending there consequence. Yes. That's the devil. You know, that, right. that's the thing that I think really describes the people group that we are in a way is, is people that aren't comfortable, can't do the pretending thing. It has to be real. You know what I mean? It's just you're pretending something. And so how are we supposed to feel safe anymore? If you're pretending, how are we safe? I mean, because we don't, I mean, we trust you. So if you're not going to tell us what's, what you, what's real or because you can pretend and ignore something, I can't, you know. And so mm-hmm. that's that's a real problem, and it's I, I think you just get it's a, and then so for whatever reason it turns into conformity. It's like you just you just have to you they think of, that's how conformity gets going. It's like everything needs to look like this, and then we all agree this is what it looks like, right? Aren't you that? Aren't we all this? Like Don't what you see Ethan it? Was saying about the bouncy balls. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like it's exactly it's just it a is. conformity, and if it's not, it's just gonna. Some people can pretend that it's they can take more attention there and some of us can take less. And so we start asking questions or saying, but what, you know, and then it's like that conflict always goes really bad for the different person, you know? 
the person who's different, who is the one that actually has the integrity that then gets made to look like the bad guy somehow all the time. The, the thing that kills me the most, though, is Ethan is mostly like them. They came from the same play. All the, like you, you, you definitely have a uniqueness about you, but not just being gay. I mean, your personality. There's all kinds of unique things about you, Ethan. All, all of us here. But that, that's the thing that I think is the most disgusting thing about religion or what I was taught in Christianity was um, that there's one thing about you that is just overshadows anything else unique or beautiful or cool or loving about you. This one thing. So that's what I. That's what I hate about it is I'm. You're, I'll give you this example. Um, we, uh, uh, Ethan's a homosexual. <laughs> and <laughs> Well, uh, across the street from me uh, is a gay couple, two gay guys. And then to my left, our neighbors are, are, are two gay guys. And um, I promise you, my dad, if he lived here, would think so highly of them as long as he didn't know they were gay. Because they they keep their yards immaculate. They are wonderful <laughs> neighbors. Uh, only people that gave us Christmas presents on the block. I mean, we're newer newer to the community. I mean, they're just they're they're great people, right? So that I I'm, it almost breaks my heart even for my dad because my dad would he hates his neighbor because his neighbor does has the just a dirty yard and he can't stand it and it makes it he lose and then another person moved into the left of him and they have a bad yard and he's losing his mind because he's I can't, all they gotta do is cut their grass so, so i'm telling you it, it means so much to him that a neighbors would care about their lawn or you know just maintaining their yards and their houses and stuff like that and so if he could move here and didn't know for a little while he would enjoy those men so much i know he would i know he would but because he was told that as evil it would overcast everything like that's what i'm saying like he, my my yeah. dad grew yeah. up with my, you know my papa was my pastor but that his father was his pastor you know my papa was my dad's dad and it's so terrible because they have a lot in common my neighbors and i have so much in common. I mean a lot more than we don't i mean i'm sure there's several things we don't we wouldn't agree on but but that's what I, I hate about the whole idea, too, is this one thing means you have to leave, right? Like, you had to leave. Like, this one thing, like, if, if they could just go, like, you know, they, they, they turn a blind eye to talking about it, but why couldn't they turn it? If it was that big of a deal, why couldn't they just turn a blind eye to that and go, yeah, just stay, though. Stay. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll figure this out. I, you know, I will do whatever it takes to, for you to stay, but they didn't say that to you. They're, they are allowing you to go, for what for what gain? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I mean they they have there's no gain in you leaving. Right? Well, they they still play blind to it too cuz like the story that I've heard from the other brother and sister is uh Ethan's pissed at me for some reason. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> like, and so he doesn't come around fault. anymore. So he'll, he'll <laughs> they, can do no yeah. they can do no wrong. They can do no wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it has to make sense to them, you know? Like it has to make sense to them. They need it to make sense. It does make sense. Yeah. In order to make mm-hmm. it make sense, the, the let me tell you the weirdest thing about Ethan. Even though this and this and this, he's still this and this and this and this. Can you believe he's like that? You know, whatever they got to say. I thought you were say. actually just going to change the subject and no. talk about how fucking weird he is. Where are you going with this? It, it's just a story. You got to make up a story to make it fit. And the story right. needs yeah. to be. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And you yep. allowed that 
the whole time until you realized how crazy that was. Right. You yeah. allowed it. Just like, you participated with that the whole time. Well, didn't know any better. Oh, really. yeah. Yeah, no. To a yeah, point. I, 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 was, I was the one working, I think, the hardest. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like, you know, like the, the, the way was paved in front of me. And then I was like, all right. The like, team needed so, you right. to do that. And you did it. Yeah. yeah. You did it. Are you an Enneagram 2, Ethan? I don't know. Okay, we'll, we'll consult out. after this because I know I said Enneagram and Matt's probably like, oh, not the Enneagram. <laughs> but I think, I think. I, I remember years back when I first joined mm-hmm. BC, right? And like, um, I remember doing it and I just don't remember what I was. Right? I remember having like loads of conversations with like a lot of people yeah. in the club about it and stuff, but I don't remember if it was two or not. Yeah, I think you're two just because um, being valuable and being needed by the people who you love is very important to you for several different reasons but i think and just i mean the people you have a i feel like you have a total like servant's heart and i will cry if i go into this too much but i hope you know how fucking awesome you are and how many people love you and think that you're incredible exactly how you are and would never change a single fucking thing about you i hope that you know that now Thanks. I will I, cry I'm right learning. now. <laughs> <I'm learning>. <laughs> <laughs> with with all this, it sounds awesome that you are found a therapist that you like and you and you're growing and and all of that. But like, do you feel like you lost years? Like, do you like when you think about your, the grief from this, grieving it or the loss of it? What's the thing that hits you the most? Like your your own time. You nailed it on the head when you said lost years. I do not remember three years of my life. Like, um, I don't, I've had it pieced together for me by people, but I'm not sure how much I trust about what's been told to me. But there's three years in my 20s that was just like, you know, I don't remember what happened. Yeah. You know, um, trauma will do that too. You know, hmm. Yeah, right. Like, you know, it's just kind of like, I'll, I'll see a picture of me from those pe- and I'll be like, what you know like it's just like i i don't have a memory of this right you know so how i mean you not you weren't crushed you know there's just to me whenever that is found it's a big deal i just kind of i still want to know more about why how not how did you make it how did you not get crushed when you were against the conformity engine there that needed wanted you to be a certain way that you couldn't be what I mean, where you just you have more drive. Like, what's the quality? How did you have the drive? Same, same with. I think you. I think you hit it right. Like you said, like you know, if you're in that in that um, that zone and you've you've got more questions, right? You know, and I always have more questions, right? Like I I needed to know the truth, right? Like the truth drove me, right? Like, um, and, the, and there was never a sufficient answer, right? Like no one ever at any point in my life could give me a sufficient answer as to but the explanation of me, right. You know, like, um, and so I had to keep going, right. And keep going and keep going. Cause there was never, you know, there was never a point where it was just kind of like, Hey, um, just trust, right. Like I can't, I can't, I have more questions, you know, like, um, and there was, there was enough distrust spread in there too. So here, here's the, like the prime example of how I couldn't quite trust the religious leaders that I, I desperately wanted to. Um, when I was in youth group, 
they had this one camping weekend that like every year you would go to this camp and it was the weekend that, you know, you would learn to speak in tongues. Like, you know, so they would have this big, you know, weekend long thing where they would um, just like, just like conversion therapy, they would make you sleep deprived, give you odd meals with way too much sugar, like to just like throw you off, you know, you're sleep deprived. They would try to put you in as emotional state as possible so they could get a desired mm-hmm. result out of you, right? And be like, ah, badge, we got it, right? And like, um, so in the middle of all that, uh, that weekend, like super late at night, um, I was I was probably, I don't know, maybe 15 or so at the point. Um, and it was it was time. It was my year. Like, the, you know, the, like the, the leadership had decided this is the year that Ethan is going to start praying in tongues and speaking in tongues, right? And so they were just praying and praying and praying. And, um, and I didn't feel it happening. Right. Like you were supposed to feel it. Right. And like, and, uh, one of the pastors leans over and whispers in my ear, cause it was an embarrassing long time at this point that they'd been praying for me. Right. And the more time it took, the more people focused on like, Oh, you know, so he was whispers in my ear so that only I can hear it. He goes, if you just start saying things, God will turn it into tongues. <laughs> and it, yeah. No, like I was like, you fucking yeah. liar! I wouldn't have dared right. say that phrase. But about, you, you knew. Know, I, I like, I remember yeah. pushing the people away from me and just being like, no, no. And like, I walked out of there. Like, my older brother was there, and he had to like find me to make sure I was okay. And like, and I, you know, I was just like, no, right? You know, so like, so that memory um, coupled with the yeah. fact that I needed further truth, I, I, I think it was like a combination of those kind of things. Like, I just needed the truth, and I could never get it right, and so. Um, I could never just quite trust that like the explanation was the explanation. I just had to keep pushing and keep looking for more until I pushed my way out, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. Literally out. Yeah. It's amazing that you had whatever. It, I just, you know, I don't know. So many people, I mean, to to go so far with that is just yeah. amazing. That amount of drive to keep to keep doing it. I can't, I can't get over it. It's inspiring. As I, well, you know. I mean, I think literally my life kind of mm-hmm. depended on it. Right, like, <laughs> but you never yeah. sacrificed your. I mean, you not you didn't. There's something you wouldn't ever sacrifice. That sound. I don't know what that yeah. thing is. Do you know? Like, what's that thing you would never? The truth or just something you have in there that you would never sacrifice. It, and I think it's just great. Authenticity, I guess. I don't know. Like, you know, that was in all the stories, right? All the all the you know the you know fantastical stories and all the like the Christian stories. The the character I always identified with the most was like the guy who in the darkest of it all had the spark of whatever, right. You know, like, like Aslan or whatever, uh-huh. you know, like, you know, like the, the thing there that like just kept you pushing. Right. You know, so like, like that, that was always where I'm like, my, oh, my goodness. soul thrived with that character. And so like, you know, I don't even know if I know what it is at this point. Right. But like, you know, whatever that is, like, I think that was, you consider it a gift. You know, like, Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that. Or like yeah. your light was probably already out yeah. at some point. I, like, like, I don't have any better yeah. words for it, you know. Yeah, it's just some kind of light that couldn't be put out. I mean, just couldn't. Yeah. And that's, what's, that's what is so yeah. wild about it is that, like, you didn't yeah. feel that way, though. You felt like at any moment, probably, your light was about to be put out. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and so, but it... it it didn't go I, away. I doubted that I even had yeah. a light. Actually, yeah. you know, like I like I. If you would have told me I had a light, I wouldn't have believed. Yeah. Right, you know. But it, I mean, it just kept. It stayed. <laughs> it made it. I mean, that's just. I mean, it really is. I mean, 
I think it it is a, a testament to just being a human and overcoming. Because like just like we were saying earlier, I mean, just what you literally had to in do survival was mode, really hard. Yeah. I mean, you actually had to get away from your family, get away from that whole mm-hmm. thing, and then from there, get away from your own thoughts and all of that stuff. I mean, the journey is just. I mean. It makes sense that there would be some time there, probably that you don't remember because you probably were just running on fumes or just trying to stay alive. I'm survival, yeah, survival mode. Constantly, yeah. Like I, I think I was in survival mode well into my yeah. 20s, right? You know, like. Well, we I, appreciate you sharing the story with us, man. This has been, I mean, that that's what makes me really happy. Is really, you know, obviously you're a really funny, happy person, but um, also that you're able to come on this podcast and talk freely and be so open mm-hmm. and honest. I mean, it's just, it really is awesome. I mean, yeah. it, it's wild to see you and hear your story and go from like completely closeted in so many ways to now being able to be, you know, more open about who you are, where you're headed, what you want in your life, what boundaries you can put up for yourself, you know, that you've never had. So it, it, it is like Matt said, inspiring for sure. Um, and so I love talking about it because I know that the more I talk about it, and I've had people tell me this too, that I've changed the way that they were going to approach their own child, right? Like the more I talk about it, the more I get my story out there, the more people I can tell that there's, even if there's only one little, you know, Ethan out there somewhere that might be saved a similar story, right? You know, like, like, like that's worth it. Yeah, no doubt. And those those dynamics that are in those families and in any system, or any authority structure, they play out in just tons and tons of ways that are similar to that, not to diminish mm-hmm. this particular version of it. But, you know, those dynamics are becoming more understood. So the more people that tell their story like that or whatever, I think that's really, really good. And this is a really clear one that if any parent or, you know, pers- anybody hears, it's just that they'll be able to apply that. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll make some sense to them. So your ability to speak about it is very good. So we really appreciate it. This is a really good conversation. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I, that, I mean, I didn't even – that's what's so funny. It's, I, when I think about you, Ethan, I think you're always – just always have something funny or witty or kind of just more joyful, jolly to say. I've always thought that, like all your posts and everything. And then – so I didn't I didn't know you were gay <laughs> for a long time, I think. I just didn't even know. And then when I found out, you know, at that point, I'd woken up even enough, and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I, I didn't – it didn't – I almost – I feel good when it when I don't think one way or the other. Oh, I'm I, I, like if I just think, oh, gay, then that, now I feel like that's more growth for me than, oh, I do, I believe it's okay, or you know, like even yeah. saying I believe it's okay feels like I'm putting some kind of importance on it that I shouldn't. Like I just, I like that it's it's normal to me or whatever. But uh, yeah, and, and so it was interesting to see and start. And I, because I mean, even from like your uh, maple syrup post and all that stuff, that's what when I found out you're gay, I was like, oh, what was it like growing up out there? Before I heard anything about your story, I was like, because I didn't, I didn't know your story. I didn't know if you'd come out to them or you had or they were cool with it or whatever. And so I was, my one of my first thoughts to you was like, oh man, that's, that's so. At first, I thought that farm looks really pretty, the pictures you've posted before and stuff, and just mm-hmm. the maple syrup and all that stuff. But uh, then I immediately thought that looks kind of more southern like where i grew up in some you know some hills and you know green but you know that that looks like it's probably a christian area so i, I did always wonder what it was like because you know i'm sure that was so rural and conservative it sounds Damn. like that's wild yeah there's 450 people in my hometown <laughs> and half of those are in your family <laughs> yeah yeah 
like the greater like school district has got like a couple thousand but you know yeah like our, our tiny little hamlet there is basically a four corners with our family farm <laughs> that's wild that's wild yeah. this has been fun i'm glad you hopped on thanks guys